Welcome to another episode of Our Interesting Times. It is my pleasure to have Dr. E. Michael Jones back on the show. Of course, he returns uh, to discuss the uh, election debacle and the apparent color revolution that is apparently being uh, carried out in the United States. Um, of course, Dr. Jones is the editor of Culture Wars magazine and the author of many books, including Logos Rising, A History of Ultimate Reality. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing fine, Tim. We're surviving here. It is interesting uh, in the, the worst state way. State of Indiana. <laughs> now we've had we've had this election, and um, of course, what what we saw, we, we see you know overwhelming circumstantial and statistical evidence, data-driven evidence uh, that President Trump, he pretty much, I think he was winning, he was, he was on his way, coasting to a, a solid victory um, uh, with decisive margins. But then um, it looks like fraud has deprived him of that win. We've seen many state, you know, these anomalies in states like in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, right. Georgia. Um, of course, neither but of these I, losses make any sense, given that you know. But uh, uh, we're being asked to believe that uh, he lost by a wire margin, even though he got 10 million more votes, and to a man who barely left his basement and can't even utter a sentence, who's slipping into dementia. Um, even in my state, which is considered solidly blue, there's now evidence arising of massive voter fraud. And this is, multi, I think, two-tiered. You have, of course, you have the, the ballot dumping or ballot harvesting scam that was sort of automatic, I think, with this uh, mail-in voting scheme that concocted in response to the COVID crisis. And then there's also this uh, uh, black box voting that we get with uh, outfits like Dominion Voting, uh, uh, where it's uh, digital and it can, apparently can be hacked and it might, that might have well happened. So here we are. Election debacle, it was foreseen. I think it was war-gamed by the Transition Integrity Project. I think we're being set up for something here. What do you say? Yeah, I think you're right. I think there was evidence of fraud. Uh, I got uh, reports from Michigan, from Detroit. A woman who was a Republican uh, poll watcher was told at around midnight uh, that uh, Trump had won and that she could go home. She didn't go home. And when uh, what she saw was people bringing in tubs and boxes of uh, ballots. And then suddenly the, the tide changed. It wasn't the only place, but it, it, when it's two in the morning and suddenly 5,000 votes roll in and they're all for Biden and none of them for Trump, you have to become suspicious. And that was the situation. Now, I was I was I know this is a shock comes as a shock, but I was alive in 2000. And I remember the, the Bush-Gore uh, battle, and that was news. And it was the, the media covered this conflict, and it was eventually resolved. It's not even allowed—you're not even allowed to talk about it now. I have never seen a situation where the mainstream media has become so disconnected from reality that they're not even admitting that there is uh, any, uh, any dispute. It's all being relegated to conspira conspiracy theory. And anyone who talks about it is uh, delusional. Uh, this does not bode well for uh, the United States of America, because I suspect I suspect that what's going to happen is that in these states, there is going to be uh, the credible evidence of voter fraud. The legislatures are then going to have to certify the electors. Uh, they're not going to be able to do this uh, in uh, in any uh, uh, sincere or convicted way. And so uh, I think they're just going to send the uh, de 30 of these states are controlled by Republicans. I think they're going to send Republicans 
uh, electors, and the electors are going to choose Donald Trump. Uh, but I think that the other side understands that as well, and that that's when the rioting breaks out, because the big picture scenario is that we're in the middle of a color revolution. And this uh, began in Tehran in 1953. It was probably the first successful color revolution, although they weren't called that at that point. It was called psychological warfare then. But it was this, basically the same scenario. You buy off the press. The press are completely on your side. Uh, I'm talking about now Kermit Roosevelt, uh, who was then with the CIA. This is the beginning of the CIA, the first big operation of the CIA. Uh, and uh, he gets the press all upset because uh, th th convinced that Mossadegh, who was a populist like Donald Trump, who had nationalized the British Iranian oil uh, company and was therefore un unpopular with the British, uh, basically, uh, the press said that he cheated. And uh, Kermit was ready with uh, Shah Reza Pahlavi. Uh, but Shah Reza got nervous and he fled the country. And Kermit called back to Langley and said, it's over. And the, Or Langley said, it's over. They called him and he said, no, let me give it one more try. And he succeeded the second time around. And the Shah was put on the throne. And he stayed there until 1979. So uh, they, that was the pattern. That was the form, as Plato would say. And uh, it's it's when worked over and over and over again. So, uh, you know, it, they tried it again in Tehran in 2009. This was a, a legitimate, full-blown color revolution. The color was green. The candidate was Ahmadinejad. He was a populist. The oligarchs in Iran didn't like him because they felt he was too confrontational with the United States. He was running for re-election. And when he did get reelected, they said, that's impossible. Uh, all of my friends voted for the other guy. Uh, so therefore, he can't, it can't be a legitimate election. And then the mobs went out onto the street. And at a certain point, people start getting killed. That was also what happened in, in uh, the Ukraine, another color revolution. Once you get the mob on the street, somebody will get killed. And then the press, who are in the pocket of the oligarchs, will say, uh, it's it's Donald Trump, it's Ahmadinejad, it's whoever the guy in the Ukraine was. He's killing his own people. This was the mantra for Syria during that war. Assad is killing his own people. I heard it on CBS. It must be true. Uh, and they, they were eventually, the, the, uh, the mullahs, the government, was eventually get, able to get control over that. So you've got the same problem here. Uh, the fact that we know what's going on, does that mean that we can uh, stop it? Well, I, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if Trump is a general without troops or whether he can actually control control the situation. But I think that's what we're facing. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you look at just based on the rules, uh, Trump wins. Of course, based on the rules, Trump won the election. So they broke those rules. But, um, yeah, you, may, uh, you mentioned some of the um, avenues for victory that, that the Republicans have in this, and they're all legitimate, is you have the state legislatures that are confronted with an obviously fraudulent election. And um, in order to uh, re-enfranchise or vindicate the people they represent in their states, uh, they, they either have to um, yeah, either appoint their own electors or don't certify at all, and send, that sends it to the House of Representatives, which then the uh, Republicans would win because they control the majority of the congressional delegations in this Congress and the, con the next Congress. Um, but 
there is a pale there, I mean, there is a, a meta political level to this and that's something we just have to speculate on something else is going on how much liberty or, or does trump really have uh, is he being cornered is he being threatened yeah. Um, or, no. or, or are we talking about the, the expedient solution for the permanent political class? Mm-hmm. There's talk about this of like, oh, well, in four years, well, in four years, we may be all who God knows what's going to happen. If, if they can do this now, then why, yes. why are we going to have a legitimate election in four years? So you, all of these people, the, the, the big question mark is the moral character of all of the people involved in these decisions. That's the big question. And the point here is that uh, these these there are lots of people who call themselves Republicans or who don't like Donald Trump and are very comfortable with being part of the deep state. Mm-hmm. And but we have to frame this as a matter of principle. And the principle is clear here. This is this is a war between the oligarchs and representative government. And it's been going on for a long time. Uh, I've all, I think I've talked on your show about the, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in mm. Indiana. That was a, a warm-up for this. That was the, the state uh, 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 legislatures, legislators passed a bill saying that you couldn't coer- be coerced into uh, baking a cake for a gay wedding. Uh, and uh, at that point, the CEOs unleashed their barrage. Mark Benioff shows up and threatens everyone. Well, it comes down to, uh, I, and, and the people in Indiana, the, neither Mike Pence, who was governor then, was too stupid to see what was going on. He could not articulate the battle, the battle lines. Okay? He should have said, uh, you know, where, who elected you? Oh, you're not even from Indiana. Arrest this man. He's trying to overthrow the government. That's what he should have done. Instead, he's on uh, Meet the Press and some uh, uh, talking head says, oh, well, doesn't this discriminate against homosexuals? And you know what to say. At this point, he said, this isn't about homosexuals. This is about representative government. Do the people have a right to choose their own representatives or not? Or do we have to appoint them? Do we, do we have to uh, have the oligarchs appoint them? Which is pretty much what Pete Buttigieg was. You know, he claimed to have won the election. He got he would go on talk shows and say, I got 80 percent of the vote. Yeah, you got 80 percent of the 10 percent that showed up. That's not much that would if that happened in Bosnia, the U.N. would decertify it. But but, you know, that you were the oligarch candidate. The fact that you're a homosexual is proof of that, because the, the homosexuals, we've forgotten that it, it, it was more uh, two years ago, but. They were the proxy warriors for the oligarchs. That was clear. It was obvious. This was about oligarchic uh, control versus representative government. That's what it is today. It's still the same issue. And the question is, are these people, are, are the people going to prevail over the oligarchs? That's the big question. And it's going to come down to the character and the spine of the, of the Republicans. Well, I think, yeah, uh, they have to identify this uh, not so much as vote uh, a vote fraud or electoral fraud scheme, but also as, as a coup, an attempted coup. Right. And Absolutely. You, and you, you stake out, uh, you know, how do you how do you carry out a coup? And you talk about, well, you seize the radio station, the means of communication, you isolate, you know, the uh, the leader and you have him. That's how you get him to step down or, you know, uh, depose him. And we're seeing that with the media because this media where they've uh, cor- they've had this coronation 
of President-elect Biden, despite all the the problems he, that are there. You know. Yeah, he's not elected. Wait a minute. Yeah. Why are you talking? We're talking about you know Jill. What's Jill Biden's favorite recipe for angel food cake? First Lady <laughs> elect Jill Biden. This is the type of journalism we're getting. This is not journalism. Yeah, and and I've pointed this out is if you, if you had a, a real fourth estate, you know, an adversarial inquisitive press doing its job, um, what's the more interesting story? Uh, uh, President-elect Biden, uh, you know, Jill Biden's uh, gown at the inaugural ball, or who, right. who's going to be in the cabinet, or a a multi-tiered, multi-state vote fraud operation, international in scope, apparently with the with the software. With uh, with uh, with the Dominion, no one knows who owns this this outfit. And you know, talk about like foreign in, uh, in, uh, foreign intervention in the election when everyone was so uh, worried about Russia f- for the past few years. Now we have this company, this sort of this uh, uh, weird company that no one knows who, own, who owns it, with ties to the Clinton Foundation, or the fact that you've had a, a scheme working. You know, basically this this octopus extending its tentacles into the media establishment into the political establishment, you know, uh, into local uh, 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 democratic uh, uh, establishments and to perpetrate this. But there's no reporting on it. That's a much better story. Right. Because it's not journalism anymore. Yeah. It's it's propaganda for a certain group of people. It's it's an interesting aspect here. I just saw a, a, a video of Ted Cruz interrogating Jack Dorsey, the CEO of uh, Twitter. Mm -hmm. And Ted just beats him over the head. I mean, he he did a great job of beating up Jack Dorsey. But the bigger, there's a bigger issue here. Uh, uh, Now, what's going on with these uh, platforms like uh, Twitter, like like Facebook? Mm -hmm. Okay, Jack Dorsey's a Catholic boy from St. Louis. His uncle's a priest. You know, but he's not in control of his show. Why was he censoring people? He was the one that basically cut off the Biden uh, uh, laptop story. Uh, and then Ted Cruz brings up, well, you didn't uh, you didn't censor the New York Times when they published Trump's tax returns. And that was a federal crime. And you didn't do that. So why didn't you do that? And then he says, you're a super PAC for the for the Democratic Party. And, and you know, he you you know, Jack Dorsey's on the ropes and he's just getting beat up <laughs> and he doesn't know what to say. Well, I'm, I'm going to take a, a, a slightly different tack here. And I'm saying I understand what's going on here with Jack Dorsey because the other side is invisible now. And the other side is the ADL showing up at your office and saying, you better do this. We're, here's the order. Here are your marching orders. And you're going to do what we say or we're going to call you an anti-Semite. So you got to go, we'll hold your coat while you beat up E. Michael Jones. And well, here's the list of people. Uh, you can get it from Sasha Baron Cohen and so on and so forth. So and Facebook had to go through this thing, too. They all had to go. They all had to kowtow to the ADL. And as a result, they're the ones that are now being called on the carpet by the by the government. Now, the problem here is that Ted Cruz is not going to talk about this either. Because he's a Christian Zionist and he's beholden to the Israel lobby even more than Jack Dorsey is. And so what you see here is, well, they have to beat each other up because neither one can talk about the man behind the curtain who's causing this problem in the first place. 
Yeah, and uh, you know, if uh, Donald Trump prevails in this, and I do think he stands a much better chance than what the media is saying, uh, he'll be best buddies again with Benjamin Netanyahu, right? After <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. I'd like to see that <laughs> meeting after Netanyahu came out and endorsed, uh, congratulated Joe Biden. I thought Trump was a guy who valued loyalty. Yeah, well, or insisted on it. And uh, of course, the National Council of Catholic Bishops, Conference of National Catholic Bishops, came out and congratulated President-elect Biden as because... the second Catholic president of the United States of yeah. America. <laughs> Wait a minute, Your Eminence. He has first of all, he hasn't been elected, and secondly, you should have excommunicated him publicly and denied him communion. Yes, yes, um, but uh, so yeah, so we have you know the media is this full court, court press is to sort of create a fait accompli or just an aura, an aura of inevitability to the Biden presidency, despite the fact the whole reason why we have, why one of the reasons why the Electoral College convenes more than a month after the election is to sort out these very problems that we're seeing. And right. again, these very problems, it's a huge story and the evidence is mounting day by day and they're just ignoring it. And it's just something to behold. And we've, we've this whole, this past year since since uh, end of February, we've had the media creating a false reality. They created a pandemic, and they continue to do it with these, right. with the uh, spreading fear. And I don't think they're spreading fear anymore. People are just kind of complying with it. But they're creating these stories about spiking tests, and this is the uh, uh, justification for a, a new round of lockdown. They call it a freeze or a pause, and they're just killing the economy, killing the you know what remains of the real economy. Right. You know. I have a prediction. The Trump rally is going to be described as a super spreader event. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Any Unlike... normal f gathering of people, uh, you hear in the news like wedding of 300 creates 17 cases. Of course, cases are positive tests, positive tests, results from a test, which um, completely unreliable. It says on the box, not produced right. for diagnostic purposes, but they don't talk right. about that. Um, they also, that was, that was what happened with the biker rally in Sturgis yes. in the summer. A massive, massive super spreader, 250,000 cases, all directly related to this biker rally. Shame on them. And it's going to cost the, the public $13 billion. That was a shocking story. It took about two days before the whole story blew up completely. It was all made up, all and, made up. And no one ever apologizes, do they? No one ever apologizes. So what you, what you see here is, let, let's assume that uh, the scenario that we've mentioned, suppose that happens. Okay, what is what is the New York Times going to do? Are they going to say, oh, oh, well, I'm sorry, we shouldn't have said that he was, Biden was president-elect before we really counted the votes? Do you think they're going to do that? I don't think so. I'll tell you what I think they're going to do. They're going. The headline is going to be, Trump steals the election. That's what the headline is going to be. Yeah, and I, uh, someone sent me an article from the Associated Press. So continue consider the source. And this was an article, news story, and it read like a like a, a, an editorial, an opinion piece in, in the New York Times, talking about the um, the attempt in uh, you know the uh, going through the state legislatures to uh, appoint their own electors to deal with the election fraud. The article doesn't address the issue of election fraud. In fact, to the extent that it does, it dismisses. It says there's no evidence, blah blah blah. It's no ridiculous. evidence whatsoever. <laughs> no evidence, Did but it calls it a evidence? calls it a um, a half baked plot, a plot. Even <laughs> though it's completely constitutional and legal, it's in, enshrined in the Constitution. Um, uh, 
but the fact that the AP press and the fact that Nancy Pelosi was upset about it leads me to believe that um, that uh, it's a serious. Um, you know, I think it's a it's a definite possibility. I mean, a real possibility that it may come about because it's being dismissed. Yeah, I think I think the fact that they're overplaying their hands so much indicates that they uh, feel that this threat is real. I, 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 that's the only conclusion I can draw from this, these, all of these preposterous articles, one after another. Just like the uh, unanimous demand in the Beltway for the most part, for Trump to concede, you know. Yeah. You know, all the concede. Why don't you concede? Concede. But curiously, the, the Republicans like Mitch McConnell, who isn't known for being a fighter, he's a you know hasn't congratulated Biden or Harris for their victory and they're holding out. That might have something to do with the elections in Georgia. But uh, you hear <laughs> I'm reading the, in the press accounts, it, it goes uh, Republicans hit at hint at Biden victory. <laughs> so no one's really saying it. But, you know, uh, but again, they're trying to create an, an image. And it is because it, it is a um, uh, sort of a CGI president pres, uh, 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 pre- presidency now, because you had that Saturday just when Giuliani was having his press conference, uh, making his case for massive fraud. Uh, they break away from that and then they, they go to the uh, announcement. And of course, typical network announcement of a victory is music, all the pageantry, all the gra- graphics and, you know, president, you know, CBS news and NBC news, uh, uh, have, call you know president joe biden the 46th president of the united states and then you have the celebration in the streets so they're creating the expectation of him being present despite the fact that it, the reality just isn't that there's there's too many votes to be counted still there's too much problems with the uh, vote counting there's too many questions with the election fraud to, at this point the election is so tainted that the only way to really uh, uh, solve this is is to um is to have to have the state legislatures solve it at this point yeah, you've got a situation where, uh, as Thrasymachus said, truth is the opinion of the powerful. They're operating on that principle that we are the people who declare the election. And uh, but you know that that goes that works as long as there's no showdown. But there's got to be a showdown now because only one guy can be in the White House in February, and the question is who's it going to be? Mm-hmm. And it looks as if uh, Trump is not going to concede. So if he doesn't concede, then it's got to proceed uh, through the courts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and if that happens, it will be a monumental reversal. Uh, I can't think of a reversal. I remember remember the uh, the famous Harry Truman. Yeah, Chicago Daily Tribune. Yeah. Yeah, the newspaper holding up the newspaper. Dewey wins. This will dwarf that by comparison. Because- well, it's their own creation. They didn't have to, they didn't have to do this. You know, that's why well, this is a coup, because this was all staged. This is all planned. You know, yes. not tell me that not one network, not one news, major newspaper is looking at the reality and going, whoa, whoa, hold on there. This is this is really bad. I mean, you know, how did Biden get, you know, 150, 15,000 votes out with well, a single vote for Trump and, you know, in in Michigan? And what about these spikes in Michigan, and Wisconsin? And he's turning around a, a 600,000 vote deficit when there's like a million votes left at four in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's all this, you know, you have 11,000 witnesses, 500 affidavits uh, uh, that, that they've uh, uh, gathered uh, about, you know, not even the, the procedure being followed where, where a vote, um, you know, where ballot 
uh, observers are allowed, which is a violation of law there, because if you do that, you got to throw those ballots out too. And what, what, what reason would there be for not allowing for Republican ballot observers? What possible reason would that would you have for, to do that? Obviously, to commit commit fraud. I mean, and you, I mean, you have a legal case and you have a common sense case, right? I mean, the legal yeah. case, um, you don't need the you don't need to build a perfect legal case to to make the political argument that the elections, uh, uh, the um, the the, uh, the votes in those states are tainted, and the, now you have to seek a political remedy. Um, you know, in court, you have to make all these cases, but but the political remedy is obviously the state legislatures at this point, and then make it make a strong case because you have 71 million Americans who feel cheated at this point. You know? Yeah, yeah, you're going to have a large number of people who are going to be unhappy uh, either way, mm-hmm. and probably the, the most. It, it's close to something like the Civil War, uh, which uh, you know no, someone's going to be unhappy no matter which way it goes. But the question is, how, how is how are you going to have uh, an honest vote count in a state like Michigan, where where the the uh, you have this Dana Nessel, the Jewish lesbian who got who got was uh, appointed with Soros money, who has been campaigning against Trump? She for, compared him to Hitler, I think, right? Yeah, I'm sure Hitler was offended by that. Unfavorably, actually, in her mind, because she <laughs> called Hitler brave, or Trump isn't, or something. She said something. Like so that. she she uh, she then uh, orchestrated this FBI plot. Uh, there was a, a a plot to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer and yes. hold her <laughs> a boat in the middle of Lake Michigan. It was it was concocted by twelve people, four of whom turns out to be FBI agents. And it turns out the Dana, Dana Nessel held a press conference uh, announcing this and said, you know, we've been working very closely with the FBI. Well, I don't think you should have said that, Dana, because uh, five days later, the defense lawyer for the people who were there uh, announced that the only people who were t- this was a chat room. Okay. It's out, oh, I thought it was a conspiracy to overthrow the government. Well, it turns out it's a chat room. Uh, it's the militia, a militia chat room. It's private. That's just for these people. And the only people who were urging violence were the FBI agent provocateurs that wormed their way into this chat room. So that was announced five days after Dana said that they foiled the plot. And the plot was foiled two weeks before the election. Well, do, do, do you think that was coincidence? <laughs> Now, the, the, the other point here is that this is not new. This is not news for Michigan. Two, four years ago, there was a plot, a, a group called the Hootery, uh, southwestern Michigan. It was six guys from a trailer park with one twenty-two rifle and three bullets. And they were going to overthrow the government of the United States of America. Well, it turns out that the only people who had any access to real weapons were the FBI agents that infiltrated this group. So it goes to took two years. Eventually, they went to trial. The, the first day, everyone walks. They're all dismissed. All of the cases are dismissed. It was classic entrapment. And that was that. So do you think this is going to go any other way? So what this is what happens when you when you uh, uh, what, what can I say when you vote in? Jewish lesbians who get into office with Soros money. This is what you get. And now we've reached the point where we can't even talk about that because Newt Gingrich tried to talk about that on Fox News and the info babe shut him down. 
he said the big problem here is these Soros prosecutors. And they started to talk about uh, Dana Nessel, Kim Gardner in St. Louis, Larry Krasner in Philadelphia. They don't prosecute crimes. They prosecute political issues. And as soon as he said that, she shut him up. Uh, and the, watching the, the, new, the, the, the look on Newt Gingrich's face was worth the price of admission. He, he apparently hadn't gotten the menu. The, I'm sorry. He hadn't gotten the memo. Yeah, he says, well, no, this, he didn't know he is, wasn't allowed to talk about this. He goes, what? So it's verboten? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah, that nestles is quite a, a character. Uh, recently, just think last week, uh, she accused the Trump campaign of racism for investigating uh, election fraud in Detroit because these are majority black areas. Which tends, which is the area where most of the of the questions are, the trouble is. So she's accusing them of racism because they're they're um, focusing on on uh, on the areas of you know we have high black concentration in Detroit, which is you know black majority, rather than Oakland or Kent counties where the majorities are white, where the, there aren't problems. Or I guess you'd focus where the problems are. I guess if the democratic machine is going to steal you know uh, fabricate votes, it's it's going to be in those counties. But in her mind, at least her what she's saying publicly is, and this is the typical ploy, isn't it? They're to go in and investigate this. They're guilty of racism. If if you're if you're black, you're automatically innocent. If you're white, you're automatically guilty. Mm-hmm. This is the this is the the, the rule uh, that uh, she uses to enforce the law. There is no law in in Michigan. It's gone. It's gone because this lady isn't capable of understanding what law is or that people are innocent until proven guilty. I, I know people, I know one of the groups, I know the guy who mobilized the drug dealers, the Marijuana Growers Association of, of Michigan to support her and get her into office. So she's beholden to drug dealers. Well, she can't go after the people who supported her. So she's going to have to go go after somebody. So she's going after the Catholic Church. Uh, this is an old standby for Jewish prosecutors. Lynn Abrams did it. She was on the board of the ADL and the DA in Philadelphia. She went after the Catholic Church, spent years and millions of dollars and came up with one indictment. And But 300 priest pictures got published in the newspaper. And then uh, Josh Shapiro, another Jewish prosecutor, this one in Harrisburg, does the same thing, comes up with just about the same results, you know, publishing the pictures of people that he investigated but weren't found guilty of anything. Couldn't be, no charges were leveled against these people. Why are you publishing their pictures if you can't level charges against these people? It seems to me as if you're prosecuting the Catholic Church. And I and and we're not supposed to think that maybe maybe it's Jewish animus. Is there is it possible that there is Jewish animus against the Catholic Church? I mean, let's think. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, let's just think back in history. Uh, let's go. Uh, uh, didn't, aren't the, isn't this the people that yelled crucify him? You mean they're, they're, I'm not supposed to talk about that. There's no continuity here. There's no group. If you say there's a group, then that's evidence of anti-Semitism, and you are a bad person. Oh, wait a minute. And now we have Dana Nessel, the same group, doing the same thing. 
Isn't the well, uh, Secretary of State also from the Southern formerly from the Southern Poverty Law yes, Center? Yes, Jocelyn's from the Southern Poverty Law Center. I don't know what Gretchen's background is. I, I forget. I seem to remember something or other. Dana is Soros money. It's all of this group of people, and we're not allowed to talk about it because you're a bad person if you bring things up like this. I wonder how she won election, given the, the games they play up there. Hmm. Who? Gretchen. I mean, obviously, there's trouble with how they count the votes up there. <laughs> so, um, well, the I I was in I I gave a I gave a speech at Hillsdale, the conser Hillsdale College, the conservative mm -hmm. bastion, and driving there from Indiana, every farm on that I passed in southwestern Michigan had a Trump sign uh, in front of it. You know, I mean, that's not Detroit. I know there's a big difference between uh, the east and the west there. But uh, the evidence of fraud is just too big to ignore. Mm -hmm. And you can't rely on someone like Dana Nessel to conduct an impartial investigation of what went on. That's impossible. She won't do it. Well, far from it. The, the, right? There's a story here. This is from the Gateway Pundit. Uh, Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, Dana Nessel sent a cease and desist letter to big league politics about their exclusive content, Detroit leaks, that outlined – Poll worker, a poll worker training wherein workers were bragging about committing voter fraud in a variety of different ways. The intrepid reporter who broke the story, Shane Trejo, was also one who was a witness for the voter fraud in Detroit. Trejo says he considers the witness intimida this witness intimidation and is fearful that it will be used as a pretext for some criminal action. In a shocking letter dated October 28th, so it's less than a week before the election, Michigan Attorney General, uh, Michigan, yeah, yeah, Attorney General, cites two or three factual errors in the bulk of Trejo's reporting and demands on behalf of the Michigan government to take every single article related to Detroit leaks off the internet. She received the, uh, Shane received the letter today. It was marked October 28th. So she presumes the right to force people to pull off stories because she has some sort of dispute with the story that's being reported. That's the, that's the temperament of the state's attorney general. Yeah, this is, she's completely tyrannical. Okay, now the point here is if we don't resolve this election issue, how are the voters of Michigan going to express their displeasure at these this tyrannical triumvirate of, of crazy women who, who are trying who are, who are ruling this place like tyrants? We just vote them out of office. Yeah, well, suppose they're counting the votes. <laughs> then what? Yes. That's the problem here. That's exactly the problem. How do you vote someone out of the office who has the the computer uh, uh, program that changes the votes in the middle of the night. How do you do that? How do you do that? You can't do that. This is going to lead to violence if they continue in this direction because they can't, they are not backing down. Now it turns out that uh, Gretchen has ratcheted up the whole lockdown again yes. in Michigan. Yeah, it's, I, you know, the question is, well, uh, if my son comes from thanks for Thanksgiving dinner, will he be breaking the law? Will he be breaking the law in his own home because he's got more than 10 people in the house? This this is out. And the point here is, wait a minute, this this didn't work. We were following your directions. And according to you, the case has increased, which means you, you don't have the right program here. To, you don't have the right uh, way of dealing with this problem. So why are you blaming us? Why is it always the people who have to be punished because of your incompetence? Why is this? Well, they, they blather on about science and cases. And again, 
if you drill down into this, you find out cases, again, I've mentioned this earlier, just positive test results. No one, there is no spike in people actually getting sick. In fact, the death rate is, is either lower or it's, it's flat, it's really where you'd expect it to be. Curiously enough, the CDC has stopped tracking the flu. So yes. what do you think is happening? <laughs> well, the, the flu has become COVID. Yes, yeah. This, we, I, I, I went through this with African AIDS in, in Kenya years mm -hmm. ago, almost 20 years ago. I gave a speech there in which, you know, the Mzungu, that's their, the Swahili word for white guy. The Mzungu shows up in Nairobi and he says, there's no such thing as African AIDS, which is what I said. Mm -hmm. I, I, I still can't believe I did this. You know, you show up, you know, who are you? And I'm telling you, no, there's no such thing as African AIDS. And I went to hospitals, I went to universities, I went over and over, I told the story, the whole Bangui thing where they got uh, the, the, the criteria for African AIDS was basically if you had diarrhea for three days, you had African AIDS. If you got hit by a truck in the morning, that was African AIDS. Everything was just skewed to this uh, epidemic. Um, and then uh, uh, they had uh, Cool and the gang show up at Uhuru Park and the admission was a condom. So it's basically a population control program uh, because the old ones didn't work. OK, so 18 years later, I show, I'm back. Not only am I back in Nairobi, I'm back at Catholic University of Eastern Africa and I'm back in the same room where I gave this talk 18 years ago. And I walked in and I said, I want any how many people woke up today worried that they were going to die of African AIDS? Raise your hand. Well, surprisingly, not one person raised her raised his hand in that room. This is part of the whole history of these things that everyone forgets how these how these things are manipulated. That was a population control program. That's all that was. It didn't exist. You could tell from then. Look, you mean it's heterosexual in Africa and it's only homosexuals in America? What's how could that be the same disease? You know, so we, you, you, you know, at a certain point, we, we're going to have to wake up to the fact that anytime a tyrant wants to stay in office, he can just claim a medical emergency. Yeah, the medical tyranny, the medical cartel doing the medical job for the oligarchs. Yeah. You know, and then you wage war against your own people like that Barbara from Owasso, Michigan, who defied Gretchen's lockdown order because Barbara can't can't cut your hair online. You can't cut your hair in a Zoom meeting. You know, so he defied her and he was vindicated because the Supreme Court overturned her regulations. But that didn't stop her. No. Who's going to stop her? Well, the the electoral process. Well, well wait a minute. The electoral process <laughs> can't function if they're rigging the vote. This is this shows you the depth of the crisis we're involved in right now. Yes. Yes. Uh, now, there is reports of the uh, there are uh, some representatives that have brought articles of impeachment against her. I don't know if they have a supermajority to remove her from office. It will be nice to have a governor toppled uh, to send a message. Uh, I, I think these governors are acting as agents of, of well, of, 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 of a cartel, uh, Gates and company. And this is all part of the Great Reset that they're talking about, that, that, you know, that Trudeau openly talks about, was that uh, September he gave a speech to the UN, and he talked about, this was an uh, online speech addressed to the UN about, this is an opportunity for the Great Reset, where they reimagine the economy. And of course, part of reimagining the economy is doing away with the old economy, getting away with legacy systems like small businesses and cash and personal vehicles. And they're imagining 
we um, design the entire global economy. This is the type of megalomaniacal, demonic ways the, these oligarchs think, isn't it? Well, the 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 the, uh, the pattern is clear. Uh, Naomi Klein described it in her book, the, the Shock Doctrine. Mm-hmm. The pattern is uh, electroshock. That that's what she said in her book. It was a, a, a kind of a therapy. Uh, a way to cure you of alcoholism or schizophrenia. They hook electrodes up to your brain and then they blast you with an electric shock that basically erases everything in your your mind. And then you start off at ground zero. Well, every crisis has been used as an excuse. This Rahm Emanuel is the guy who formulated it, never let a crisis go to waste. And that's that's what's going on right now. So when uh, Katrina sweeps through and, and inundates New Orleans, you use that as a way of getting rid of the public school system. It's on and on and on. She does a very good job in her book uh, documenting one instance after another of how the crisis gets used by the oligarchs to take over. And then they institute a new order based on their uh, helping rescue you from the crisis. The the mod the mod the mantra now is build what is it build better back or build, build back better build back better it was a a logo um, a slogan devised by the World Economic Forum for this great reset then it was of course uh, adopted by the Biden campaign yeah build back better so just let us uh, uh, take over your entire life uh, deprive you of the freedoms that you grew up with uh, and uh, uh, we'll take care of you and don't complain. Uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see it working here. I just don't see it working here. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you talk about science, right? Are you, you against science? But you, you point out, you talked about the whole AIDS thing, uh, AIDS in Africa, the fraud of that. But um, the same people, the very same people pushing the scandemic uh, were involved in the AIDS scam. We're talking about Dr. Burks, Redfield, sure. and also Fauci. Fauci. Yeah. Fauci. Fauci is responsible for the death of thousands of homosexuals because he's a, comp- a complete political opportunist. And uh, he saw that, that early movement in the 90s when uh, the AIDS epidemic got big. Uh, he saw an opportunity to lead, run to the front of the parade because the homosexuals were clamoring to uh, have them uh, allow them to use AZT uh, as uh, a cure for AIDS. What were they thinking? AZT is chemotherapy. Chemotherapy stops cell replication in your body. That means you're going to die. So that it's like a bet. It's like a horse race between do you die or does the cancer die? Hopefully the cancer will die. Uh, before you do. But if you continue it for a certain amount of time, you will die. There's no question about it. And guess what? A lot of homosexuals died. They did not die of AIDS. They died of AZT poisoning. The classic example here is Arthur Ashe, who was a good little boy and took his medicine and it killed him. The other side of the coin is Magic Johnson. Do you remember all the tears that were shed when Magic Johnson announced that he had AIDS? Mm-hmm. And he started taking AZT. It made him feel sick. And he said, hell, I'm not going to take this anymore. And he's alive today because he stopped taking AZT. The main man responsible for the fast tracking of AZT was Anthony Fauci. And no one's holding him accountable. The only other uh, lady involved was Matilda Krim, 
the, the, the uh, 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 Lyndon Johnson's mistress, who kept him occupied in bed uh, during the uh, uh, Liberty, the Israeli attack on the, on the USS Liberty. This, uh, this is, when you, <laughs> I just, this is what pops in my mind when you put your stupid sign up in your yard and say science is real. So <laughs> yeah. is a cure? So ACT is the cure for AIDS? Is that what you mean when you say science is real? Yeah, or it, you know, science is real, but it's also science is uh, totally free from political corruption. Or of course it is. <laughs> one one of the main reasons I wrote Logos Rising, uh, a history of ultimate reality, was to expose uh, science as a kind of uh, pseudo. Uh, ideology. Mm -hmm. Science is these. There are people like Bertrand Russell who seriously believed that he had contact with ultimate reality. Not only did Bertrand Russell believe that, but there were editors in America who would pay him to write books in the 1920s explaining ultimate reality. I, I mentioned this in the first chapter in the book. Well, ultimate reality was these little balls bumping into each other. They're called atoms. And they bump in, and when you're happy, they bump fast, and when you're sad, they bump slowly. No, well, that's wrong. You are happy because the balls are bumping fast. That you are a total, uh, a total uh, uh, determined automaton based on little balls bumping together, and those little balls are the ultimate reality. This is preposterous, and Russell knew it at the very time he was writing about it because. He was watching, hearing about Heisenberg's uh, indeterminacy principle and his understanding of what was happening with uh, finally, you know, you split the atoms are not supposed to be able to be split, but we're splitting the atom and you split it and it gets smaller and smaller. And then it finally goes poof and it disappears as energy. And that's called the atomic bomb. So there's nothing there. There's no ultimate material reality. It's not it's a form. That's what Heisenberg studied Greek. His father was a Greek teacher. He studied Greek. He read the classics. He knew what he, he knew what philosophy was, and he knew what a form was because he had read Plato. And it was a form. It's not material. It's a form. And that's what he concluded. And that was the end of materialism. But uh, the memo apparently uh, Russell knew that, but he still exploited these dumb American editors who were materialists and wanted to have some type of material explanation. That's science. That science says the ultimate reality. It's not true. It's not there. That's why I wrote the book. And so when the, it, no wonder you have this ridiculous parade of opportunists like Fauci, who tells you one thing one day and one thing the next day, and then we're all supposed to follow his contradictory directions. Yeah, whether it's masks or whether it's the uh, the uh, mortality rate or you know, or morbidity rate of these diseases. In one show, it's 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 one percent, and then in the uh, uh, New England Journal of Medicine, it's one tenth of one percent. It just depends on the audience and the impact he wants to make. One month you should wear masks, and two months later you uh, you shouldn't wear masks. Then you should wear masks again. Uh, there's no um, uh, standard for what type of mask you should wear, how you should wear it. It's just everyone wearing masks. It's he he himself. The scientist says it's actually a symbol. So now science is becoming a, a religion because you have like a talisman or a symbol, these things like a crucifix or something, right. which I would argue has more power than a mask, but that's a, another thing. Um, but um, 
I've used garlic. I have garlic around my neck. There you I go. There you go. I haven't um, gotten uh, sick at all. <laughs> but um, the here's this is important because getting that this whole idea of science being true and objective, precise, we can rely on it as if there is no uh, you know uh, political influence or corruption of science. Or, or let's put, yeah. what's the crisis? The crisis now is basically you've got two science scientists with two uh, different uh, points of view. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you, now what do you do? Well, the point here is that this is not the end of the world because we have Logos. And we are exercising Logos right now by having this discussion. And because we have that, we can make an intelligent decision and come to conclusions that this scientist makes sense and that one doesn't. Mm-hmm. That's what is and, and and the expression of the political expression of logos is representative government. So you choose the representatives. The representatives have logos, and so they can make uh, evaluations, and then they can come to conclusions based on these evaluations. That's what we have. That's what's a threat right now. That's what's at risk right now. The whole structure of representative government and the whole fact that we have uh, as as rational creatures. We are capable of making decisions and appointing people who will execute these decisions for us. That's what's at stake right now. The other side is all of these experts and scientists and big media guys and and the the hall of mirrors and the echo chamber. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it's because science was mobilized uh, to bring about uh, the political crisis we face right now because science was invoked or used to create – the uh, perception of a, of a global pandemic, uh, this created the situation uh, where people could be frightened away from going directly to the polls. So this uh, seemed to justify a mail-in voting scheme. Right, right. right. But then that's the way of all the fraud, uh, at least a lot of it. Well, how, do you, how do you show your driver's license when you mail in your, vo- your ballot? Yes. I had to show my driver's license when I voted this time. I always have to do that. How, how is, what are the c- controls here with the mail-in ballot? There are no controls. There are no, which, which was part of the plan, yeah. yeah. And then secondly, I used to be, run the polls here, and I used to run the election, one precinct. And uh, we had a huge voting machine that weighed about 20 tons, and it had little levers and the curtain pulled over, and it was all you – it was – Mechanical. It wasn't electronic. Yeah, there was no yeah. possibility of manipulating that. You know, you had to stand there with all of the officials there and we all looked and we all wrote down the number on the back of the machine. And then it got sent down to City Hall and then it all got tabulated along those same lines mm-hmm. that minima- that minimalized the possibility of fraud. That's why we did it that way. Yeah, that's why you make it uh, hard or instead of digital, it's analog. And so it can't be corrupted. Uh, Apparently with Dominion, some of these machines actually were accessible from the Internet, which is ridiculous (laughs) because obviously you're inviting fraud. Uh, Now, you know, obviously uh, the the Democrats don't corner the market on on, you know, shenanigans, voting shenanigans, but they seem to take it to another, another level. And, and they, they have this time, they made it so obvious. So they this is confident- unprecedented. Yeah, and if, if yeah. they don't act, if the if the government officials do not act on this, it's the end of representative government. That's clearly what the oligarchs want. They've been wanting this for a long time. You could say that all of human history is, in some sense, 
an attempt of oligarchs imposing their wills on the majority of the people. It is certainly the history of the United States of America. Why do you think we have a Supreme Court? The Supreme Court is an oligarchic institution. That's what it's there for, okay, to uh, rule, uh, to uh, prevent the, uh, the masses from overwhelming the government. Yeah, I mean, you would think the system would have some inhibition because it has to maintain some level of, uh, of legitimacy in the eyes of the public. And, and for some reason, the media, the mainstream media, the establishment press and the Democratic Party have seemed to like, be willing to just to, to blow their whatever credibility they have on this. So yes, something's up. And something that, that struck me as strange was with all this lock, these lockdown measures and this, the, the kind of cold indifference that uh, you know, these governors, Governor Newsom and Whitmore and Cuomo and uh, um, have uh, uh, about destroying their economies is they don't seem to fear re-election. No. Why should you if you control the voting machine? Yeah. Exactly. They, yeah. There seems to be this uh, this kind of callous contempt for the people of Michigan. I mm. saw it in Pete Buttigieg. You know, he, he held the people of Indiana in contempt. He never he, he was from Har he had, he had a degree from Harvard. He had the he had the most he had the best resume in the history of the state of Indiana. We are going to build a resume hall of fame, and the centerpiece is going to be Pete Buttigieg's resume. So he was the perfect candidate. The only problem was he didn't represent anybody in South Bend. He had more money from oligarchs and CIA agents than any other candidate. That's who he was. That, that's, that's the choice you have. That's what this is about. Yeah, and you know, he, 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 yes, he, uh, in his ill-fated presidential campaign, he um, boasts about his record as mayor of South Bend. And... Uh, some of the uh, anecdotes you tell, the stories about his, his record there, one I found particularly interesting was the, how he messed up trash service in your city. <laughs> yeah, that was a classic example yeah. of where you had a trash truck that went down the back alley. And you tr all, you don't have to move anything. You just had to take the trash out there. And uh, uh, the trash truck would pull up. Two black guys would hop off. They'd dump the trash cans in, and they'd be off in seconds. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, now uh, they fired all those guys. Mm -hmm. OK, because I, I don't know whether there was malfeasance, but I suspect there was because they bought these big trucks now that uh, have an arm that comes out and empties the trash can uh, with, without the guy getting out of the car. Most of the time, of course, sometimes it doesn't work that way. Well, they were too big to go down the alley. So once again, we got it wrong. I'm sorry, Pete. I'm sorry. I apologize for my alley being too narrow for your truck. Wait a minute, maybe you should have bought the truck to fit the alley rather than the other way around. This is like their attitude. It's always their attitude. It's like the people are wrong. Because we have a higher, uh, a higher gnosis here. We have a higher insight into reality because we went to Harvard. And so therefore, you people should get with the program. So you call up, uh, they have a 311 number and... Uh, my, my wife calls up, you didn't pick up my trash. So the lady says, well, we know change is difficult. Wait a minute, honey, I'm not talking about change. I'm talking about the trash can. You know, why are you lecturing me about change? <laughs> That's like all these governors, uh, within a few weeks of their 15-day uh, lockdown, they're talking about the new normal. 
you know, we have to all adjust to the new normal after, you know, there's before COVID and after COVID. And it's all this is a neuro linguistic programming and psychological warfare because this isn't a reality. Like in Maine, uh, the Janet Mills, the governor up there, where they, they had like five cases, or I think five reported deaths the entire year or something. And she shut down the tourist industry up there. And she's talking about the new normal. All, we just all have to adjust to this. this. Is, this is what they do. It's yeah. shock therapy. You have to destroy everything. And then you start off uh, from ground zero with everything destroyed. And you build it the way you want. You, the oligarchs, want it. Yeah. And for some reason or another, uh, uh, I guess they felt they needed Trump out of the way. So they had to orchestrate a uh, you know an election. And uh, when Biden... You know, they, one thing is they they they, they concoct these fake polls throughout the year, which I I do was bunk going into it, and the results seem to be going the way that I thought it was going to go on election night. Trump getting 320 electoral votes, whatever, a comfortable victory despite all the fraud. And all of a sudden, it switched. <laughs> so, yeah. And for some reason or other, the next phase, they kind of got Trump because um, he was kind of feckless and schizophrenic on the whole COVID stuff. Instead of shutting it down, he let it kind of happen. But then he started talking about it in the campaign. But the next phase, they definitely want like a Biden in there, kind of sort of an empty head in there so they can put, you know, just do what they want. And I, I fear the next phase is uh, sort of this implementation of this uh, great reset, which is inevitably going to lead to the impoverishment and miseration. I think the deaths of um, un told scores of millions if not billions of people because that's their plan they're genocidal it's it's uh yeah you know. yeah yeah i went i went to munich uh, two years ago and uh it turns out that my uh my philosophy professor had died of the flu he died well that happened back then he was old he was in his 80s mm -hmm. you know his lungs just uh just it wrecked his lungs well, that no one, no one, no one was talking about an epidemic back then. I mean, he died of something. People die of these things on a regular basis, especially if you're in your 80s. As far as I know, he he didn't smoke. He was uh, healthy up to that point, and then this thing, this thing just happened and, and yep. took him. Yep. And Biden is saying that people will die because because Trump isn't isn't uh, cooperating in the transition. <laughs> He's got blood on his hands. Blood on his hands. So, I mean, so he, that's where we are. I mean, it'd be interesting if this plays out in the ne next couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, it's, um, again, I think this whole thing was sort of planned out, and they created the situation where you would have a disputed election one way or another. Uh, but I think the wild card, I think, is, is Trump's ego and not wanting to accept defeat when he actually earned a victory. And that's something they might have to contend with here. I don't know how that will play out. Yeah. And, and I do say that based on the rules, Trump wins. He won the election. They cheated. Now, to, how to deal with all the electoral fraud? The Republicans, if there are a real opposition party to Democrats, they have they hold all the Trump cards, if you will. They 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 can win it uh, if they want to. They can just, they have the raw political power to do it. And and also, I think the moral argument on their side with the American people, if they do this, yeah. despite yeah. what the media says. Yeah, I think so. That's that's the I said at the beginning. It's going to come down to the character of the Republicans and the judges, whether they're going to decide that they want to join the oligarchs and have a comfortable life or whether they're going to act according to principle. Yeah. But uh, we'll, we'll know in February. Uh, yes. We'll, we should re reconvene in February and then we can discuss one way or the other what happened. What happens. So listen, I want to thank you for coming back on the show. You're welcome. It's always a pleasure. So um, uh, I guess I'll wish you a, a happy Thanksgiving.
Thank you. I mean, have a happy, despite what they order, have a happy Thanksgiving. (laughs) Yes, we plan to. So if if nothing else, just to spite them. (laughs) Because I think what the plan is to suck all joy out of life because the virus feeds on joy, apparently. So they want to deprive the people of all joy. They'll finally defeat the virus. (laughs) Yes, yes. Make us as miserable as possible so that we just beg them to, we'll do whatever you want if you just let me out and, and, uh, and let me go back to the new normal. Yeah, that's that's in the playbook, and people have to. And well, it's getting out out there. Tucker Carlson covered it, the Great Reset, last night. So, conspiracy theory is going mainstream, you know. So that's I think that's a good sign because indeed there is a conspiracy out there to do this. It's an open conspiracy at this point. So, okay, Doctor Jones, thank you so much. You're welcome. I've been